Chapter Four of The Flint Heart by Eden Philpotts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, Merripit Farm. A place like Dartmoor doesn't change in a hurry, but thousands and thousands of years leave a mark even there. And now you will find, after all this time has passed, that it looks rather different. The village of Grimspond is deserted. The beehive roofs are gone, and only stones remain. The men and women and children, the dogs and cattle and fierce beasts, have all vanished. The walls of the city are broken and shattered. The stream that ran through the midst of it has nearly dried up, and heather and brake-fern and whortleberries and rushes and sedges and grass fill the homes of the old new stoners. Over the mighty cairn where Phutt was buried on Fir Tor grows a great mound of gorse, and, as you would expect, it is the toughest and prickliest gorse on the whole Dartmoor, because its roots are down in the dust of that tough and prickly hero. And now I'll surprise you. Though all these thousands and thousands of years have passed, two of the principal characters in the story are still as lively as ever. One is the Thunder Spirit, who roars and rattles about on Dartmoor just as he used to do in the good old New Stone days. And the other is the Flint Heart. You see, the heart was buried with Phutt to keep it out of mischief, and it has kept out of mischief ever since. But unluckily it has not turned into dust, as Phutt did. In fact, if you should ask it how it is, it might answer, doing quite nicely, thank you, and thoroughly rested, and perfectly ready to begin business at once. And now, if you look around, you will find that a new order of things has begun on Dartmoor. In the low places, or snug spots sheltered under the hills and beside the sparkling rivers, many a house, such as you are accustomed to see, has sprung up. There are farms and cottages, and even the pigs and cows have much better dwellings than the new stoners were wont to live in. One of those houses is called Merripit Farm, and it lies in the great valley under Merripit Hill, a few miles from the poor old ruined Grimspond. There are a good many other farms in this valley, but long before men found the place the pixies discovered it. Pixies, of course, are the same as fairies, and their first cousins are the brownies and the elves, and the kobolds and the trolls and the fays and the sylphs and the sprites and the gnomes. And the second cousins are the bogies and the bogles, the flibbergibbets and the deves, the urchins and the dwarfs and dirgers and the pidwidgeons and the pucks and the will-o'-the-wisps and jack-o'-lanterns and the jacky-toads and the imps and their water-cousins are the nereids, and mermen, and mergirls, and merboys, and the naiads, and the kelpies, and the nixies, and their third cousins, twenty times removed, I am glad to say, are the spooks, and the banshees, and the goblins, and the hobgoblins, and the hobblegoblins, and the hobblebobblegoblins, and the wraiths, and the wishnists, and the cacodemons, and the furies, and the harpies, and the succubus, and the succuba, 
and the fiends of the air, and the earth, and the water, and the vampires, and the ghouls, and the afrits, and ogres, and ogresses. And if you don't believe in these folk, I can only say that you are making a mistake, and you'll live to find it out sooner or later. All the very best people, including Mr. Stead and Sir Oliver Lodge, believe in spooks, if they don't believe in the other things. And it seems to me both unkind and silly to make such a fuss about the spooks, and write whole books about them, and take no notice of all the others. As for me, I know Dartmoor pretty well, and I believe in everything that happens there. I have seen a jack-o'-lantern with my own eyes, and I can't say more than that. And not to believe in Devonshire pixies, well, you might just as well not believe in Devonshire cream, or Devonshire mud, or any other of the fine things that belong to Devonshire. And besides all these arguments to prove that there are such things, this story will be full of pixies in a moment. So that's proof positive, and an end of the matter. And the boy or girl who still holds out, and says that he or she does not believe in them, had better be sent to bed at once. And if he doesn't get his nose pinched blue before the morning, or if she doesn't find her hair in a proper tangle when the time comes for combing it to-morrow, I shall be a good deal surprised. But now we must go to Merripit Farm, and the first thing you'll see there is a rough, ridiculous dog without a tail, and with his hair all down over his blue eyes. He is an old English sheepdog, and he looks as much like a monkey as a dog. But he means well, and he has brains in his head, and knows a good many things you don't and never will, and can do a good many things you can't and never can. And he believes in the pixies with all his might, and would no more give up believing in them than he would give up a bone, if he had the luck to find one. Here comes his master, a very big man, you see, with a red neck and pale hair, and a fat, clean-shaved, good-natured face. He is called Billy Jago, and his wife is called Sally Jago, and his children are called John, and Mary, and Teddy, and Frank, and Charles, and Sarah, and Jane, and Unity, and his baby is called Dicky, and his dog is called Ship. John and Mary and Sarah and Jane are very brown, and their eyes are brown, too, like their mother's. And Charles and Teddy and Frank and Unity are fair, with yellow hair and gray eyes, like their father's. And the baby Dicky has struck out a new idea of his own, and his eyes are as blue as the sky in August, and his hair is as red as the brake fern when winter comes. You see them all looking rather smart, because it is Sunday, and they have got their best clothes on. John is eighteen and quite grown up, so his clothes are not interesting. But Mary has on a plum-colored dress with a red bow in her hair and a clean pinafore. And Teddy wears a knickerbocker suit made out of green cloth with a red tie. And Frank is dressed just the same. Charles has a gray suit with a yellow tie and a scotch cap, which is his great joy. 
and Sarah and Jane are clothed alike in dark blue dresses with light blue bows and white stockings. And as for Unity, she has Sarah's last year's dress cut down, so she doesn't really count yet. Besides, she is only five, and nobody gets very exciting till they grow rather older than that. Of course, I don't mean by this that it is not a very right and proper thing to be five. All the most successful and pleasant people in the world have been five once, and even three and two. There is nothing to be ashamed of in being five. But if that is the case with you, you must choose your friends either among other people of five or among people who are over fifty. And if you feel a doubt about the age you have only to ask, and if the people you want to know also want to know you, they will instantly declare they are five or fifty, as the case may be. The Sunday dinner at Merripit Farm was a very good one indeed. It began with a goose, went on to a plum pudding and mince pies, and finished up with ten oranges and ten sticks of the best milk chocolate and ten little puppets made to represent Father Christmas. Their heads screwed off quite simply, and they were full of mixed sweets. You will naturally be rather surprised at such a noble meal, but I must tell you that it was Christmas Day as well as Sunday, and the young Jagos had been expecting this fine feed for twelve months, ever since last Christmas Day, in fact. They all ate too much, I'm sorry to say, all but Charles and Unity and the baby, but there was a difference between them, because Charles and Unity stopped quite of their own accord, and the baby would have been eating still, only his mother took him to bed. These children were all very interesting and all very different. John was grown up, as I mentioned before, and he was going to be a farmer like his father. Mary was fifteen, and she helped her mother and sang songs rather nicely. Teddy was not particularly gifted, but he could catch trout in the streams better than any of the rest of the family, and that was his strong point. Frank could imitate the noise of ducks and turkeys and fowls, not that that was much use. Charles was the reader, and I believe he had more brains than any of them, though nobody took him very seriously, except Unity and the baby. Sarah and Jane were twins, and thought alike, and did the same things, and were naughty together, and good together, and had colds in their noses together, and got mumps together, and were lost together on the moor once for nearly two days, which was the finest thing they had so far done, and they were rescued together, and shared the fame of it. Unity had made no great mark in history so far, but she was the prettiest of them all, and she always put me in mind of a little white ragged robin that had just suddenly come out by the river, and was looking around it with much surprise at the extraordinary world into which she had budded and bloomed. Unity, in fact, was always ragged and always surprised. On Sundays she was not ragged, but she made up for that by going to church and being more surprised than ever. And she began every sentence with, I wonder, 
and she was quite right and quite wise to be so much astonished at things in general, because everybody ought to be astonished at pretty nearly everything that happens when they are five. The age when nothing astonishes you is eighteen. But after that, as you grow older and older, things gradually begin to astonish you again, until when you get quite old, say from forty to a hundred, much that happens will amaze you, and you'll find the world as puzzling and wonderful at the end as you did at the beginning. But eighteen is the grand age, and remember never to be astonished when you reach it. John Jago was eighteen, and he was grown up, and he never was astonished, not even when, in the middle of the Christmas dinner, his father said a very astonishing thing. What it was and what came of it you shall hear in the next chapter. End of chapter 4